Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Come on, anybody, anybody glad that you found Jesus? I mean, look at your neighbor before you sit down and just say, I'm so glad I found Jesus. But wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's just theologically get this right. You only found Jesus because he found you first. Anybody glad that he said, I chose you and ransomed your life? You may be seated. It's good to be in the house of God once again, celebrating the person and the work of Jesus. The way Psalm 34 will say it is, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praises shall continuously be in my mouth. I am always, 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 always grateful for our opportunities to come together and, and, and worship. And I, you know, I really don't know what kind of a week you had. Maybe you had a chaotic week. I, I have no clue if that situation that, that you've been dealing with is resolved. I have no clue if that work project is still undone. It is sitting on your laptop and you just can't, you can't seem to figure it out and can't get it, can't get it finished. Uh, no matter what it is, man, we got the privilege to be in the presence of God. Amen. We got the freedom to be in the presence of God. And I don't know about y'all, but that, that does something to me, knowing that, that God allows sinful people like all of us in this room to be able to get into his presence. It's nothing but grace. Somebody say it's grace. It's and because I can get in his presence, I won't let nothing hinder me. I won't let nothing stop me. I don't care what the situation is. I don't care what the chaotic week looked like. I remove all of that stuff out of the way for just a bit so, because I, I want to corporately worship Jesus with, with my brothers. Plus, it's Pentecost Sunday, y'all. It's Pentecost Sunday. And I just want to clarify, it's Pentecost Sunday, not Pentecostal Sunday. It is not Azusa Sunday. It is not Tongue Sunday. What I mean by that is this thing goes all the way back to Acts chapter 2, where the Bible says that 120 were in the upper room and the Holy Spirit fell and, and, began, to, um, and began to fill up the, the believers and they begin to speak in, in unknown tongues, tongues. And so that, that's what we consider. In fact, it's been on the Christian calendar for, since the second century. This is what we consider Pentecost Sunday. Every Pentecostal I know got on white today, except me. It is, I picked the wrong Sunday to wear shorts. Just... This is the best Sunday day. I'm so immature. At least I lotion my knees well, though. So, but I, uh, man, no, for real, this is Pentecost Sunday, and I'm, 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 um, I'm grateful for the Holy Spirit's, Spirit's work. We, we would not be a church. We wouldn't be able to gather in this room unless the Holy Spirit was present. The way the Pentecostal said is the Holy Ghost was present. And so I'm, I'm grateful, man, that we don't sit in here alone. There's an invisible force that is in this room and sitting upon every seat. And my prayer this morning was that that. That, that Holy Spirit would not just sit on the seat that you're in, but actually get into your hearts and do a work. Because the last thing you need is just another Sunday that you just came to church. That's, that's whack. What we need is transformation. We need is direction. What we need is to hear from the Lord. And so I'm, I'm excited. Welcome to all of our first-time visitors. I didn't get to see the hands, but if you're, if you're in here for the first time, if you could just wave your hand. If you're in this room, this is the first time you've been here, hold those hands up. Welcome, y'all. Welcome. Hold them up. Hold them up. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, sis. Welcome, bro. Welcome, welcome. Wow, welcome, welcome. It's so good to have y'all here. And I don't know what camera's on. Y'all turn this one on. Welcome to all of our first-time visitors. It is good to have you guys, uh, have you guys here. There, there seems to be uh, a great amount of, 
uh, people who just found out about our church uh, due to a, a video that went viral earlier <laughs> earlier this week. Uh, you know, we was in Bible study together, and and uh, and we got out of Bible study, and all night Tainai's phone was just was buzzing all night, and um, you know it's uh, over 25 million people watch this video. And here's the crazy thing, man. You know, one of the things that Ty and I have, have been praying is Psalm 115, not unto us, not unto us, but unto your name, get the glory. And God never puts the spotlight on you for you. He always puts the spotlight on you for him. And you know, Ty and I wasn't doing nothing special. It wasn't nothing. I can name 10 other couples that should have went viral. We just were simply enjoying time together and the Holy Spirit did something and caused you know, caused the person to ask the question that they asked. And, um, and then, then we just need to normalize black commitment to each other. I mean, it's just, all black men ain't cheating. All black sisters ain't cheating. We out here faithful. Somebody say, I'm faithful, I'm faithful. I hold minds down all day, every day. You know that moment, you know that moment that, you know, some couples have, if, you know, the spouse grabbed the phone and like, I hope you don't see that. I just, I'd be like, baby, here's the, here's the phone. Oh, you got access to everything. And that's what, that's what it's about. You know why? Because we, we are called as believers to show the love of Christ. You know, Ephesians chapter two says it is with the great love in which he loved us. And so honestly, man, I, I think not just in marriages, let me just get off marriages for a second in all of our relationships. If you show forth the love of Christ, you'll never be caught off guard or unexpected. Y'all hear me? Your friendship, we should show the love of Christ. Our, our dating relationships, our engagements, our co-workers, we should be showing. I know that's a little hard. I, I know that. I need some time on that one, Pastor B. You, you going far. But um, I, gen, I genuinely believe, I genuinely believe that, that Christ, um, you know, set us on fire uh, so that we can be witnesses and salt and light. And I'm grateful, man. And it's, it's no coincidence that God put a spotlight uh, on himself through that little one minute and 25 second uh, video. It's no, it's no coincidence, coincidence that he did that during our relationship series. Yeah. Well, we've been talking about some hard stuff. Like, I just am not, I have a deep conviction not to sugarcoat. And so we've been talking about hard stuff. And some of it makes sense. Some of it doesn't. You don't. You might still have questions. Nevertheless, uh, I think our goal is to be accurate and, and, and faithful to the word of God. Anybody grateful that you go to a church that's like faithful to the word and tries, tries to be faithful, I should say? Well, speaking of faithfulness to the word, do me a favor. Let's open up to where we were last week. We'll be in Matthew chapter 19. I'll be honest with y'all. We are going to be all over the place. So if you can just kind of, you just kind of put your finger there. Do me a favor, put your finger in Matthew 19, but also get Isaiah 56 and go to Isaiah 56. I realized the last three weeks, um, the last three weeks I have preached over an hour each week. I think one week I might've been a little bit under, but for the most part I preach for an hour each week. And it's not typically my, my disposition. I, I like to I like to go for at least 40 minutes and then let y'all get out of here because y'all like brunch. I do too. And we want to get out of here, right? So I want 40 minutes. I want y'all out. And so uh, I have, I have been preaching. I apologize because each sermon has gone over an hour. And so this Sunday, I promise. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. This Sunday, I'm not, I'm going to be, I'm going to be under an hour. So 59 minutes and 59 seconds is what you get in today. We're in, a, we're in a sermon series called Created for Relationships, the messy, the tension, the truth. Y'all are funny over there. 
the messy, the tension, the truth. And we, we've, been, um, we've been talking about some really hard things. First week, we talked about sex and sexuality. Uh, second week, we talked about relational tension and restoration. We looked at relationships in our lives. We actually wrote down three uh, relationships that um, it's just tension and turmoil in them. Some people that we haven't spoke to in a long time. And I challenged, I challenged us based on, um, based on Paul's words. I challenged us to go out and see if we could do some type of step towards restoration and reconciliation. Um, then we talked last week about the covenant of marriage. And we looked at, you know, the Pharisees asked Jesus, what about divorce? And Jesus was like, ah, what about covenant? And he showed them the permanency of, of marriage. And um, we'll, we'll dig a little bit more there today. And then uh, in two weeks, we're actually taking a two-week break. And then we'll, we'll finish this uh, mid-June. But we're going to talk about friendships. But today we're talking about singleness. Somebody say singleness. And dating. Somebody say dating. So we're talking about singleness and dating today. And there's a whole lot to discuss. So let me do this. I promise y'all we need prayer. So let's, let's, let's pray. And then if you got your finger in Matthew 19, Isaiah 56, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go there. Father, I thank you, oh God, for this room. You, um, you're, you're just faithful. You, you really are. You draw us. You, you, you pull us in. You... You illuminate your word. And so, Father, would you do so today? Please, Lord, I am pleading today that nobody is enamored with my words. I'm pleading with you today that nobody walks away and says, oh, he, he, does, he did well with the text. Look, I pray that people walk away and are transformed because you spoke to them and you moved on their hearts. So as we talk about your Holy Spirit and how, how welcome you are here, Father, I pray that you would saturate this room, throw your whole weight around this room, meet our needs, meet our needs. I pray for the singles in this room. Would you meet our needs? Would you speak to us? Would you help us, oh God, to be countercultural and help us to be an army of singles that are blood-bought and faithful in our walk with you? As we pursue this stuff called dating, Lord, I pray, oh God, that you would give us wisdom. And you told us in your word, James 1, that if we ask you for wisdom, that you would give it to us generously. And you prove that to us when we see Solomon ask you for wisdom and you give it to him. So, Father, we, we need wisdom on this topic. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, our king, we pray. Amen. All right, singleness and dating. Just, just, just really quickly, I need to see who's in the room. I think I know, but I kind of want to understand. I want to understand who's in the room. Married folk, if you're married in the room, just wave your hand. Just raise your hand. Come on, they're happy too. Come on. Even if your spouse isn't here, just raise your hand. Keep it up, keep it up. I just want to see who's in the room. All right, so the married folk, y'all real rowdy over here. All right, dating, dating. Anybody dating in the room? You dating somebody, you dating somebody. Come on, come on. Somebody's like, oh, I don't know if we dating or not. Put that hand up. Put that hand up. That y'all put the camera on them so that they... No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Engaged. Anybody engaged in the room? You, you've moved past dating. You're... Come on. Come on. Come on. They getting married in October. Anybody else? I'm, did I miss? Engaged? Okay, so one engaged couple. Right, anybody in the room? And I have to break this up in two categories. Let's do first... Single and what they call single and satisfied, meaning you're single and you're like, I'm good, like I'm, I'm chilling. Any, any, is that anybody in the room? Single and you're like, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Okay, a few. All right, let, let me flip it. Anybody, you single and you ready to mingle and you're like, ah, I ain't, I'm single, but I'm looking, I'm looking. 
Now hold your hand up nice and high. In fact, do me a favor. If you sing on Ray to Mingle, stand up. Just stand up for a second. Oh, come on. She like, I'm ready. Come on. Y'all better look around the room. I see you, my brother, in the back. I see you. don't know where the relationship is. It's just, it's just confusing. We, we, we don't know what we're doing. Did you know, did you know that as of 2022, Pew Research Center found that, check these stats, 34% of women and 63% of men are currently not in a committed relationship. Let me read that again. This is as of 2022. 34% of women and 63% of men are currently not in a committed relationship. Brothers, I don't know what's happening. That's a high number right there, man. That's a small pool. In fact, in fact, the same research suggests that uh, current toddlers right now, by the time they reach the age 50, one in every four would have been single their entire life. That's, that's, that's kind of where we are. Now, here's the thing. How do we make sense of this? Like, how, how, do, we, how do we understand that? Especially those of you like, oh, man, I'm single, but I, you know, I do desire intimacy. I do desire a relationship. I do desire marriage. Like, that's, that's noble. That's good. How do, we, how do we reconcile with these numbers? 63% of men are like, nah. 34% of women are like, ah, just not right now. How do we reconcile that? I can tell you how we reconcile it. We reconcile it through the word of God. Now, here's what I have to be honest about. It's a little gray. Singleness is shown in the scriptures pretty clearly, in my opinion. Dating is gray because it's not, a, it's not an ancient practice. That's a, that's, a, that's a Western concept of dating and dating and dating and then again. That's a Western concept. That is not a, in the scriptures time, you got hooked up, married, and then you moved on on your way. And so we have to make sense of what I would say is gray. And I do actually think that there are some really, really, really clear passages on how we can date in a healthy way. Somebody just say a healthy way. Healthy. Now, y'all know my normal flow. If you've been rocking, I know it's a few of you in here. This is the first time you've ever been in here. But I think you guys know my no normal flow now. I really love expositional preaching, meaning I really like to take a passage and work through it line by line and kind of, you know, get all that we can out of that one passage. That's what we did last week. We looked at the top part of Matthew 19. We looked at verses 1 through 9, and we kind of just worked through, well, the, 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 the Pharisees ask you about divorce. Jesus quotes them, Matthew 1, and, uh, Matthew, Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, and then the disciples ask a question. And so, you know, you see this back and forth, and we work through that thing. And, you know, for some of you in here, like, that's, that's your style. You like that type of, you know, you like that type of preaching. I do, too. I learn best that way, and I'm kind of trained that way. But today I need your grace because I kind of want to bounce around just a bit. Instead of sitting in one passage, I would love to bring a bunch of passages together so that we can understand singleness and dating. If you're in here going, oh, I should I picked the wrong Sunday to come. Yo, we got like we spent uh, 15 years in Romans, like legit. You can go online and check out line by line preaching. But today I want to know how we apply I mean, this passage in, in Matthew 19 was written in 55 AD. How do you apply that to 2023? I'm going to bounce around just a bit so that we can, we can understand um, the passage. Even though we are more topical than expositional today, uh, we will be biblical. And so I, I want us to kind of sit in that. Here, here's what I want to do. I got five points, which I typically don't do, but I think for the sake of our time, this is how we're going to rock. I want to give you one biblical thought on singleness, 
and I'm going to give you four biblical thoughts on dating. They will pop up on the screen so you can pay attention there. Before I dig in, can I just take a second to um, tell you a conversation that Ty and I were having and uh, Ty was expressing, and I want to express it in the room, uh, just how proud she is of the singles that are in the room that are genuinely, genuinely seeking the Lord and genuinely seeking purity and you ain't perfect. You ain't got it. You ain't always made the right decisions, but there's a whole bunch of y'all in here that are being transformed and you're growing what the scriptures would call sanctification and spiritual growth. It is happening in the room. And I talk to brothers like Jair and, and he, he's processing, you know, life and singleness. And I hear him, man, I get encouraged. I was encouraged on Wednesday when I saw Michelle was over here and encouraging the room and encouraging the single saying, we can, we can do this thing. I get encouraged. So I just want to take a second before we get in and say, man, I'm just proud of y'all because I know it ain't easy. I know it ain't easy. Life be life in. And these streets is real. And the summer's coming. And so I just, I just, man, young lady, listen, keep pursuing the Lord. He's, he's with you. Young man, keep pursuing the Lord. He is with you. You know, the scripture tells us that he's a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. I just want to, I want to praise God for you guys. Okay, here it is. First biblical thought, first biblical thought on, on singleness. Please write this down. It's going to pop up on the screen and then we'll get into some scripture. Being single does not equal incomplete. We talked about this a little bit on Wednesday, but I got to say this again. Being single does not equal incomplete. One of the greatest myths on singleness is that somehow you are less than. One of the greatest, and I know you, I know you don't want to be single. You want to be, you want to be hooked up. I get that, but I need you to sit in this for a second. Being single does not, you are not junior varsity because you're single. You, it, it, you're not sitting there going, one day, graduation day, when graduation day is when I finally get married, then I'll be of value, or I'll have purpose, or I'll have dignity, or I'll be on mission. Do you realize you can do all of those things in your singleness? Watch what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 19. Now, remember last week we talked, he was talking about divorce, and we saw how the, the covenant of marriage is, is, is supposed to be unbreakable. But then he says in verse 12, we're just jumping down a few verses. Watch what Jesus says. He says, for there are eunuchs who have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus bringing this group of eunuchs in, uh, in, in, in connection to what he was already talking about. Remember last week, talking about marriage. It's, a, it's an interesting pivot that he makes here. Now, let me just kind of tell you what eunuchs are. My guess is that you know, but let me explain it anyway. A, a eunuch is a, is a castrated male. It's somebody that was either castrated or they were born with some type of defect in the genital area. And so you were, you were considered a, a, a eunuch. Now, here's the crazy thing. Every scholar I read this week, and this isn't normal. Sometimes I read a, a passage and I, I want to consult other scholars. And I look at other scholars and sometimes the scholars don't agree. Every scholar I read this week agrees on this one point about verse 12, that Jesus isn't actually talking about eunuchs. This is a euphemism or a metaphor for singleness. What he is talking about when he talks about eunuchs here, he's not actually mentioning eunuchs. He's, he's mentioning them, but he's actually giving us a picture of singleness. And what Jesus does here is he gives us a picture by breaking down singleness in three different ways. He says here, 
that there are some eunuchs, a.k.a. singles, that were single from birth. Now, what does that mean as a single and not a eunuch? That, that could mean uh, may, maybe, you were, maybe you were born uh, intersex, meaning you, you, know, you have uh, uh, female organs and you have male organs. Maybe you were born with some physical disformity that, that uh, will, will stop you. or your, Maybe you just don't even have a desire for uh, like a sexual desire or, or a desire for marriage. And when I read this, I'm like, well, first of all, I don't know if y'all are asking this question. I'm going, well, why were people created that way? Especially intersex, right? That's legit. There are people that are born with two sets of organs. What do you do with that? Now, some of us will go, well, God ain't loving because why would he create them like that? It is very, very clear to me in Genesis 1 verse 31. After Jesus makes stuff, he says, it's good. So Jesus doesn't make anything that is not good. What happened was we were fractured in Genesis 3 when sin entered the world. And once sin entered the world, we got tsunamis, we got hurricanes, but you know what else we got? We got birth defects. You know what else we got? We, we, uh, we got diseases and sickness. You know what else we got? We die younger now. Y'all realize this, that when sin entered the world, it actually uh, 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 it made a great impact on genetics. I can prove this to you. Moses lived to 120 years old. Okay. Noah, Noah in the ark, lived to 950 years old. And the flood happened when he was 600. Enoch lived to 365 years old. So, so the longer humans are on the earth, the shorter our lifespan. Why is that? Because sin has affected our genetics. And so, yes, people are, are born with uh, deformities. Uh, yes, people are, are born uh, intersex. Yeah, I, I hear that. And here's what Jesus says. He says there are some eunuchs that were born eunuchs, some singles that were born, and they will never, ever, 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 ever want or desire or will be married. Then he says there are eunuchs or singles. There were eunuchs by men. This could mean, of course, in, in the literal term, it means that somebody castrated them. But... In the term in which Jesus is using it as singles, it can mean that there are some singles that want to get married, but some circumstances in life haven't led them on the path to get married. In other words, they might want to be married, but there are no options. Maybe you, you know, you don't, you don't try a bunch of dates. That Tinder app, you're like, I just ain't working. I'm tired of these dates. What, what other apps are there? I don't, whatever. Hinge, hinge. What is it? Y'all all know. What is it? Bumble. Bumble, Hinge, what else is there? Y'all like, I ain't telling y'all what. Yeah, all, all these that Y'all tried everything. And, and, and so Jesus is saying, there are some people that are, are single, are eunuchs made by men. Their, their circumstances just don't, don't line up to allow them to be in a relationship. Then he says, third, that there are some eunuchs that made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom. In other words, there are some people that are single and they have no desire to be married. And it, it, it's, it's not because something's wrong with them. They just genuinely feel like they are better used as a single for the ministry and purpose of God. Somebody in this room is like, that ain't me though, Pastor B. That ain't, that ain't my ministry. You know whose ministry that was? That was Paul's ministry. Let me give you scripture. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Not only was it his ministry, he desired that it would be others. He says this in verse number seven and eight. I wish that all were like myself 
to the unmarried and to the widows, I say that is, uh, that is good for them to remain single as I am. Why, why would Jesus mention singles, particularly three sets of singles, in the same context that he was talking about marriage in the first nine verses. Do you know why he mentioned singles in the same context as marriage? Because we're all equal in value. We are all equal in dignity. And that is why he mentioned marriage as well as singles. Now, here's why I got to say this. Because some of y'all feel like you are not worthy or you are less than because you are single. Jesus just said, man, I mentioned marriage already, but your singleness, that singleness is something special as well. And I know it don't feel special. I know it may feel lonely. But do you know when Jesus was quoting this, they would have thought about Isaiah 56? I asked you to grab that. Do me a favor. Go there real, 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 real quick. In Isaiah 56, Jesus, uh, 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 God speaks through Isaiah, but he gives the eunuchs hope. Why? Because eunuchs at this time, eunuchs at this time were considered cursed. They weren't able to pass on the blessing through the next lineage. So they were, they were considered less than, if you will. They were considered cursed. And here's what, here's what God says through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 56, verse 4 and 5. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose the things that please me and hold fast to my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than the sons and daughters. Here it is. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Essentially, what Jesus is saying when he is drawing attention to the eunuchs, a.k.a. the singles, he is basically saying, yes, marriages are blessed. I talked about that. But singles, you are blessed as well. And stop feeling like you're less than because you're not married. You're not junior varsity. Like, seriously, you're not, you're not on the bench while everybody else is in the game. Singles are just as much in the game as, as married people as well. And if this is the case, if this is what Jesus is getting at, why do we treat our singleness as though we are incomplete? Why do we treat our singleness as though I will be complete one day when I finally walk down that aisle and I finally get married? And it's so subtle how we do it. You know, married folk, we got to be careful with how we, how we engage with singles as well. And you know why? Because we can make, we can make them idolize marriage by the, by the simple language we use. You know, you go to a wedding, you see a single, and as a married person, you go to them like, oh, don't worry, one day. Your, your day is coming. You know, what if they came up to you at a funeral? It was like, one day, your day, your day is coming. Because what we do is we treat singleness, we treat singleness as though we, it is incomplete. In fact, I talked about this Wednesday. We do that with church, with single ministries as well. I'm t I've been to single ministries where it was not a place where I was being uh, developed and I was being taught the things of God. It was a place. It was a spiritual hookup lounge. Well, we just got together. We wanted to see, oh, is she coming? Is he coming? And, and unconsciously, what we're doing when we're, when, we're, when we're pursuing and pursuing in an unhealthy way is we are saying our singleness isn't enough. What, what we are saying, we are devaluing singleness. Please do not devalue your singleness. Yes, you can pursue somebody. It's all good. Do it. But do not do it in a way that devalues the singleness because God's singleness on your life can be one area that is a huge blessing for you. And so we, we dishonor singleness when we're desperate. Can you write that down? We dishonor our singleness 
when we are desperate. And some of us are so desperate. You know why? Because we vitalize marriage. I just got to get there, man. If I could just, and you know, I, I get it. I know it's hard. You know, you see everybody else getting married and you, you know, there's a PC that's like, man, I long for that. And I want to have kids and I'm getting older and I get all of that. But don't, don't desire uh, that intimacy in such a way that it causes you to dishonor and devalue your singleness. And some of us have become so desperate. We, we've become, I just learned this term, pick Misha's. Y'all know what that is? I just found out what this is. Amari, Kayla, and, and Jaya was telling me uh, what a pikmisha is. And I'm like, what is a pikmisha? It's the little kid sitting in the, in, in the back of the room going, pick me, pick me, pick me. And some of us, some of us, that's been our dating life. We've been pikmishas. And brothers, I'm not just talking to the ladies. Because I know y'all going, that's right, get her, man. She all up in my face. No, 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 hold on, hold on. How, how you holler at a girl can be very desperate. It can be very thirsty. It can be, it can be very hungry. And it can be very dishonoring to the young lady how you do it. And what you really, what you really are is the same thing that you were trying to claim that she is. You are nothing more than a pikmisha that is desperate, eager, and hungry, and thirsty for an intimate relationship. And God is like, man, you know you can get fulfilled in intimacy in me right now. Right now. And so it's more of a turnoff, brothers, when we, when we pursue like that. Your singleness should not be a, a, the thing that devalues who you are. It is, it is actually something that, that the Bible has a lot to say, and it's always good. The Bible has a lot to say about your singleness. In fact, let me just read a couple. Bear with me here. Mark chapter 3. This should pull up, but if you want to write this down and check it out later. Mark chapter 3, verse 31 to 35. Watch what Jesus talks about as it relates to human relationships, including marriage. Watch what he says here. And y'all know this one. And his mothers and his brothers came standing outside. They sent him, sent to him and called him. And the crowd was sitting around him. And they said to him, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking around about at those around him, he said, here are my mother. Here are my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and my sister. Wait a second, Jesus. Do you not love family? Do you not love your mother? Do you not love marriage? Do you not love brothers? And do you not love sisters? And Jesus is like, yes, but I actually love the forever family more. What is the forever family? He just said it. Those who do the will of God. And we downgrade our singleness when all we're looking for is human relationships. God is like, yo, I got a relationship that will not, that will rock your world if you get in that relationship with me. Let me give you another one. Luke chapter 7, Luke chapter 11, verse 27. And Jesus, as Jesus said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, blessed the womb that bore you and the breast that nursed you. First of all, can we just say that's a little weird? Jesus is preaching. And in the middle of preaching, this young lady yells out, blessed is the breast that nursed you. Like, I love when y'all, you know, when y'all talk back and y'all be like, yeah, preach B, you know, go ahead, Pastor B, amen. It actually encourages me. But if you ever yell out, blessed is the breast <laughs> that nursed you, I'm going to be like, can y'all, can you leave? Because that's, but watch this. They were basically giving honor to Jesus' mother. But watch what Jesus says. He takes the focus off of the human relationship and puts it back on God. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. 
Jesus is like, man, I know the relationship is dope. I know the human interaction is dope, but there is something doper, and that is your relationship with God, walking with God. Can we do one more? Mark chapter 12, verse 18 through 15. The Sadducees came to him who say that there is no resurrection, and they asked him a question saying, teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man a man's brother dies and leaves his wife but leaves no children, that the man must take the widow and rise up offspring for his brother. Watch this, verse 20. They were, there were seven brothers. He gives a story. There were seven brothers. The first took a wife, and when he died, left no offspring. And the second took her and died, leaving no offspring. And the third, likewise. And the seven... Uh, seven left no offspring. That means all seven of the brothers married the same one. And watch the question that they ask. In the resurrection, when they rise again, whose wife will she be? For, she has for, for seven has had her as a wife. Jesus said to them, for when they rise from the dead, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage, but they will be like the angels in heaven. In other words, I said this to y'all on Wednesday. In other words, Jesus is like, y'all are infatuated and, and making an idol out of marriage, but that marriage ends the moment you leave earth because when you're in heaven, there is no such thing as a marriage. You're not going to be given to marriage. That's what Jesus said. Now, husbands, do me a favor, just, and I'm serious when I say this. Lean over and give your wife a little peck. Give her a little kiss real quick. I'm serious. Go ahead. Just lean, lean in. Lean in. Give her a little peck because you're not doing that in heaven. So enjoy. Enjoy now. Jesus just said, man, they're not going to be given in marriage. There is no such thing as marriage. Why do we idolize something that actually has no heavenly value? Now, hear me. I'm not downgrading marriage. It is a pointer to the, to the, to the, to the uh, triune God, that two become one. That's the, that's the trend. That's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three persons, but they all operate, and they're all one. We don't serve three gods. We got one God that shows up in three different persons. It is a pointer. It shows me the love that Christ has for his bride, the church. And so I'm not trying to disrespect marriage, but I am saying your marriage is only as good as you're alive on this earth. So why do, we, why do we idolize something that actually is no, it's, it's, a, it's a human institution? It has, no, it has no heavenly meaning. I feel like I'm devaluing marriage, and I don't mean to, so let me move on. First biblical thought was on singleness. You're not incomplete if you're single. Second biblical thought is on dating. This is my first biblical thought on dating. Here it is. Write this down. Prioritize character over cuteness. Can y'all hear me and lean in for a second? You do not want to put at the top of your list, she got to be cute. He, now, I do believe God give you somebody that you actually like looking at. I believe that. I, I believe that. But I'm telling you, we have made the physical outward adorning as the top priority and not the character. And what we've done is we've overlooked things because he is cute. And we've overlooked some things because she is cute. And I'm telling you, those bubbly feelings you have, you know statistically uh, it's proven that those bubbly feelings you, that accompany the attraction only last for 18 months, which is why many people don't have a relationship past 18 months. Because after a while it wears off. It wears off. And so here's what Peter will say in 1 Peter 3, 4. Write that one down. Do not let your adorning, adorning be external. 
the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry and the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be in the hidden person, that's character, the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty. He just said the outward beauty fades, but the inward beauty is imperishable. Do you realize when you put the way he looks and the way she looks at the top of the list, do you realize what you are doing is setting yourself up for failure because looks change? I don't care how much you work out. I don't care how much Pilates you do. I don't care how much spinach you eat. I don't care if you want keto. I don't, it does, none of that matters. Your looks will change. Brothers, that hairline is going to go bad. It just is. Sis, there's some things that's just going to sag. It, it will wrinkle. Your hair will gray. And so I'm, what we have done is we've made the top of the list our, 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 our external and we've dismissed character. And I'm telling you, it's not healthy. You will not drink from a fountain of youth and look the same way you did all the time. And in the 20, 30 years from now, you're not going to look the same. I mean, unless you get Botox, a BBL, and a facelift. You know, unless you get those things, you know, You'll change. And because you'll change, why do we put so much focus on the outward and not the focus on the character? The character is what matters. Here's what Jesus says. Let your adorning be in the hidden person because it's imperishable. One of my friends, Matt Chandler, got brain cancer several years ago. It's over a decade ago now. But him and his wife, Lauren, wrote a book called The Mingling of the Souls. It's a book on marriage. And here's what, here's what Matt Chandler said in that book. He said, when I got cancer, everything that was sexy about me vanished. My strength, my vibrancy, my sense of humor, my creative, creative romantic pursuit of Lauren, all of that was gone for two years, and my hair was gone. I became a shriveled-up version of what I was before the cancer. Lauren entered in a covenant with me, loved the character that God had formed in my heart, and now it was my character and godliness that fueled her attraction to me physically. The culture will get you to believe that physicality and looks is everything, and I'm trying to get you to see that Jesus actually says the opposite. He says what is everything is the hidden person, the, the, the character that's inside of you. And many of us, you know, you get in relationships, you can't figure out, you know, why he is like he is, it's because you've overlooked the character and you've prioritized, you've prioritized the look. I'm going to move on because y'all get, getting quiet on, on me. Uh, biblical thought number, number two, date for clarity, not intimacy. Date for clarity, not intimacy. Many, many, many of you should ponder the question and ask, this is very rhetorical, ask yourself the question, why am I dating? Because I believe that some people actually are dating because they are pursuing intimacy when the dating process should be, I'm seeking clarity. Because let me tell you something, nothing will cloud your judgment more than searching for intimacy, especially sexual intimacy. If I'm, if I'm dating you and we having sex, it clouds my, my clarity. Which is why some people get married and we got to do post-marital counseling. They go, oh man, he just changed. No, he didn't change. He was the same way before, but you were seeking intimacy and you weren't getting the clarity on that. And because of that, you think he changed. Well, all he did was reveal who he already was. And so what we date for is not intimacy. What we date for is, is, is clarity. And you know, the search that we have for intimacy, can I be clear with y'all? It's a void that only Jesus can actually fill anyway. 
When you, when you have an expectation in the dating process or in the marriage that that person is actually going to fulfill the deep, deep, deep longing of your soul, they will never fulfill the deep, deep longing of your soul because that place is reserved for Jesus to fulfill it. No, no, baby, I, I date to gain clarity, not to fulfill some moment of intimacy. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, don't date for intimacy. Come on, tell, tell them, date, date for clarity. And I'm not saying this as your pastor. It just, it don't work. I'm, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense. We ignore the, to, the toxic relationship because all we want is just to be held. And all we want is just somebody that understands and, and I can talk to. And since we're talking about intimacy, you know one of the questions I get all the, I get a few questions. Here's one of the questions, though. I get all the time. You know, can, can we kiss? Is, is, is that, is holding hands too, too, somebody said no. <laughs> is holding hands too much? Can we lay down on the couch together at, you know, at one o'clock in the morning and watch Empire? Now here's, I'm not going to answer none of them. I'm going to let, here's, here's what I really want you to do. You need to wrestle with how much is too much for you. How far is too, too far for you? I know a couple, Ty, Ty and I used to be friends with this couple. We still are friends, but we used to be really, really close down in Philly. And a couple genuinely said, we're not going to, we will not, our first kiss will be on the wedding day. And the reason they wanted to do that, because they knew, they knew where it led for them. But you might be all right. My point is, I'm not going to tell you to kiss, not kiss, or hold hands. I will say that little, you know, couch at one o'clock in the morning. You know, we, we just not on the couch at one o'clock in the morning watching Empire and then go off and we talking about the cinematography and the use of satire. It leads to some things. It leads to some things. So I, I, I'll simply, I'll wrap that up by saying, be wise. Here's what Song of Solomon says. Song of Solomon 2.7. Promise me, O woman of Jerusalem, by the gazelles and the wild deer, not to awaken love until the time is right. Somebody should not just write that down, but put that in your heart. You, you need to quote that one. When things are getting hot, cold shower don't work because you'll warm back up. What you need is Song of Solomon. Do not awaken love until the time is right. And some of us have has let the world standards of dating and intimacy uh, actually filter into who you are. And so you're no longer seeking clarity. All you're seeking is intimacy. Another question I get, and I'm not going to spend no time on it. Man, I'm way over. Uh, another question I get, but I'm not going to spend a lot, long time on this one, is, is it good for us to live, a, live together? Because, you know, New York is hard and economic purposes. It's just easier to share. I'm glad y'all saying, I'm not going to say yes or no. No, I ain't going to say. It's just not wise. It's just, you put yourself in a constant state of temptation all the time. And don't tell y'all, y'all be lying. Y'all be lying. I know it. Y'all sit in my office and be like, Pastor, we living together, but we ain't doing nothing. Lies. <laughs> Bruh, come on. Who are, you, who are you fooling? You fooling yourself, bro. You put yourself in a constant state of temptation all the time. And let's be honest. One of the reasons I've heard people say cohabitation is a good idea is because it prepares them for marriage. Do you know it's actually the opposite? Statistically proven, less than 5% of marriages that live together before the marriage actually last. So it's not a good way to prepare for marriage. It's actually a better way to prepare for divorce. Living together doesn't work. 
It doesn't, and I've, we've had people in this church that were living together. We were doing counseling. We were like, ah, it's just not wise. And they were on their way to marriage, and they ended up moving out in order to, 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 uh, to honor God and to pursue purity. And then they moved back together once they got married. I know it's hard. I'm not saying nothing that's easy. I'm not saying nothing that's economically friendly, but I know it's biblical. It ain't wise. All right. Date for clarity, not intimacy. Uh, biblical thought on dating number, number three. Prioritize your relationship with God first and the other person second. Now, I wish I didn't even have to say this one, but here's why I have to say it. Because many people, they are in love with Jesus and they are pursuing Jesus in their singleness and they got time and they are devoted to him. And once they start dating, they pray less, they get in their word less, they have less devotion. What you're doing is you're prioritizing that relationship and not prioritizing God. And I'm not just talking about for singleness. This is in marriage, too. Because when you don't prioritize God, see, let me tell you something. I'm a better husband when I pursue Jesus more than I pursue, more than I pursue Ty. It's just, I'm, I'm a better father when I pursue Jesus more than I pursue Ty. And many of us, and, and it ain't hard because I love Ty, but I love Jesus more. Are y'all listening to me? This is the, this is, and don't do it in singleness then. Forget, man, let's don't do it in singleness. Stop putting people before God. And so God is sitting there going, man, your, your, the throne of your heart should only be occupied by one person. So if it's occupied by your boyfriend, I got to step back. And I, I got to let you go ahead and do your thing. And let me tell you something about boyfriends. They make the worst gods. Horrible gods. Your girl makes a bad god. That throne of your heart is supposed to be occupied by one person and one person alone. Final, biblical thought on dating, number four. Date only, this, ain't, this, this probably ain't a little countercultural. Date only people who love your Jesus. Date, and let me tell you why I have to say this one. Because I've seen so many people, let's go back to that hunger and that, that thirst. When we looked around the church, we're like, oh man, there's a lot of women in the church, you know, and the brothers ain't even here, you know, and then after a while, somebody holler, and they, you think they're the right person. Here's what I often hear, I know they ain't a Christian, but they got Christian qualities. They love like Christians. And this is what I often hear. But when you date outside of your faith in the Lord, do you know that you are not equally yoked? Let me go there. Second, second, second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Now, this ain't friendship. I'm talking intimate relationship that's moving toward marriage. What partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? you got to be very, very, very clear on your standards. And one of the top standards you should have is that this person got to know Jesus. Because when we're unequally yoked, it is impossible for us to go the same direction. Do you know what a yoke is? Uh, a yoke is what you put on two animals. You, you, you usually put them on two cows, or you put them on two don donkey, and the ox, and they, they um, you know, they sit inside this wood, th wood thing, and then, they, you know, they walk one way, but they can walk together because they're, they're in unity, they're, they're in concert. But if you put an ox with a cow and say, now walk the same direction, one's going to go one way, and the other's going to, there's going to be tension, there's going to be pulling. And many of you are going, well, well, what about Peter? Peter says that the, the, the believing wife sanctifies the, the unbelieving husband, but that's because the wives were getting saved at such a fast pace at that time that he's like, 
Divorce ain't an option because they are non-believer. I know you got saved, young lady, but your your uh, your your um your walking with the Lord will sanctify your husband. But that's not a rule to get married. That's if you are already married. It is not healthy. It is not good. It will drag your spiritual life down. It will it will remove the fire. It will remove the fervency, and it's impossible to make decisions. Every decision, Ty and I make, every one of them, is fueled by our faith. I want to know how we spending our money. Well, what, is, what, is, what does our faith say? What, what are we doing in the future? What does our faith say? And so when you don't have that foundation of the faith, it makes it very difficult. I feel like I'm going really long, so I'm going I'm to wrap it up here. Being single, being single does not equal incomplete. Prioritize character over cuteness. Date for clarity, not intimacy. Prioritize your relationship with God first. Date only people who love your Jesus. Look, y'all, I know this is a complex topic, and we may be all over the spectrum in this room. I completely understand that. We can play something soft. We may be all over the spectrum in this room, but do you realize that in your singleness, you actually have a really, really, really good opportunity to show forth the love of Christ? Do you realize that? I don't think, I think many of us squander the opportunities that, that the Lord gives us. In your singleness, when you walk, in your singleness in a healthy way, it shows forth the very love of God. And people will ask you, man, what is it? Man, I'm single and I know you're single. Why, you know, where, where is, where's the peace? And it's like, man, I, it's my faith. You got an opportunity now to share your faith. And I've witnessed so many singles in this room that are, that are in this room right now go from single life to dating to engaged to marry. I've seen it. Now again, it's not the goal, but I've watched, I've watched how they honor each other. Chris and Val, I remember when they got married. I married them. I remember it. Pastor Timmy and Ayo were in the first service. I remember watching them walk through singleness and, and move to engagement and move to marriage. Ashton and Angela were in the first service. I remember watching them walk from singleness to dating to marriage. I don't think Warner's here, but I saw Janelle back here. Janelle and Warner, I remember watching them walk from singleness to dating to marriage. And God, I ain't saying these people are perfect. I'm saying they honored God. What would it look like for us to be a room full of singles that are blood-bought, Holy Ghost-filled, and serious about our walk with the Lord? And if God provides that relationship, praise God, honor God there as well. If God provides it to go to marriage, praise God, honor, honor God there. Here's what I want to do. I'm, I want to pray just like last week. I want to pray for every single single in the room. Now, let me explain what I mean by single. I mean single and dating. Like legally, you, you ain't sign no paperwork. So the only people I want sitting is people that are married. I just genuinely, I want to pray for the singles in the room. I want to pray for those who are dating in the room. And I want to pray for those who are engaged in the room. Do you, can you do me a favor? It's probably going to be filled up. It's cool. Can y'all just come down to the altar? I know you're comfortable. Come down to the altar. Rodney and Yolanda, I'm putting y'all on the spot. Would, you, would y'all mind praying? Either one of y'all can play a prayer. Both of y'all can pray. Can somebody give me a, a, a microphone? Y'all thick up in here. Them seats got empty. It's all good. Just as close as you can get, as close as you can get. Thank y'all for coming. Thank y'all for coming up. As close as you can get. Hey, real talk, man. Real talk. 
like seriously, what if this room, what if this room, like all of, the, all of you that are here, that are on the altar, like what if we really pursued Jesus at all costs? Can you imagine that? So I just, I want these guys to pray for you, either one or both. Heavenly Father, um, we come before you, first of all, just thanking you, God, that God, you have bound yourself to us in love. In love, God, you have united yourself to us. God, you are our older brother. God, and we are your brothers and we are your sisters. And so first of all, God, I thank you, God, that we have value, we have dignity, we have significance, we have worth. Whether we're single, whether we're married, whether we're divorced, no matter what, widowed, it doesn't matter, God. Because we are in relationship with you, God, you have tethered yourself in love to us, God, so that we might be bound to one another as brothers and sisters, God, we are family. And so God, I thank you, God, that whether or not we get married, whether or not we remain single, God, that you have called us to love one another, to love one another, God, as brothers and sisters. And God, I lift up every single person in the room who is at this altar who might be feeling alone today, God. I pray that they would even just look to their left and look to their right and be reminded, God, that they have brothers and they have sisters. That they are not alone, God, that, that, that when they feel alone, God, that, God, your word would come to them and remind them, God, that they might uh, resist the lies of the enemy that would make them feel alone, that would make them feel away, that would make them feel like a eunuch. God, uh, God, I'm rem- reminded, God, of the eunuch that was baptized by Philip. And, and he said, well, there's some water, God. What would prevent me from being baptized? And that, that, that brother came a eunuch, came a sexual minority, and left baptized into a family, God. Mm. We are connected to mm. each other. Thank you, Lord. Thank we you. are saved into a body, God. And so, God, I pray that you would remind us, God, that as we are connected to you, we are automatically connected to each other. God, I pray for friendships. I pray that we might find intimacy in friendships, godly friendships, God. So much, so so many times, God, we search for that intimacy in in romantic partnership, but we don't have any friends. God, I pray that today, God, that somebody that came here and leaves every single Sunday and rushes out after benediction would look to their left and look to her right and go up to somebody that they've been meaning to just ask, yo, can we get coffee? Can we talk? Can we be friends? That they would just get over and just be courageous and do it. God, let us actually walk like we are brothers and sisters. Let us live like we are brothers and sisters. God, let us love like we are brothers and sisters. And God, if it's meant to be something else, God, you do it. Hallelujah. I love a good wedding. Hallelujah. If it's meant to turn romantic, God, then let it be so. Yes, Lord. But God, let us love each other. Let us bear one another's burdens. God, let us listen well. And God, I just, I just pray against those lies of the enemy on today. Amen. Father, thank you. Thank you. Um, I agree with everything that Yolanda said, Lord. Um, I, pray, I pray that you impress upon the words that you brought through your servant, Pastor B, today, Lord. Pray that you continue to bless us, Lord. Lord, not only for the singles, Lord, I pray that the married ones would be shining examples of what it is to be in relationship, um, holy, committed, and covenant relationship, Lord, um, that, there, that we are examples 
or what, what can be, Lord. So keep us together, Lord. Let divorce, let infidelity not be named in this church. Yeah. Um, in good. Jesus' name, amen. 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 amen.